Hello, everyone. My name is Sydney. My name's Elena. And welcome to Consumption, where we talk about infectious diseases that continue to burden developing countries and how the United States' values, priorities, and influences on these countries propagate the spread of disease. Today, we will be talking about the profile of HIV and how our monetary system change has led to poverty in underdeveloped countries. Sydney, do you want to start us off? Yes, sounds great. So HIV, or human immunodeficiency virus, is a viral infection that attacks the immune system, making the person susceptible to illnesses that the immune system may have once been able to fight off. As the person's immune system function continues to deteriorate, they may develop AIDS or acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, which is an advanced form of HIV that is characterized by the presence of cancers or opportunistic infections that have long-term effects on the patient's health. Yeah, it's, it's really important to differentiate between HIV and AIDS since many people who do not know about them think they are the same thing. Can you tell us about how HIV is spread? Yeah, definitely. So HIV is spread through the exchange of bodily fluids, which can occur through a variety of different ways. HIV may be transmitted during unprotected sexual intercourse, through childbirth and or breastfeeding, in which the mother is HIV positive, and by sharing needles used for IV drug use. However, it is not possible to contract HIV through activities such as kissing, sharing food or drink, or other everyday interactions. That really, that is really great for people to know. Can you talk about the symptoms that are associated with HIV and AIDS and how someone might know that they have been infected? Absolutely. So when someone is first infected with HIV, they may not even realize that they're infected for a considerable time since most HIV infections begin with a mild flu-like symptoms involving like a headache, fever, or sore throat. Um, But this is especially concerning since individuals are most contagious during this first few months of infection, um, and they might not even know that they have HIV at this time. However, as the infection progresses and the immune system continues to wear down, the person may experience more severe and noticeable signs of infection, such as a fever, weight loss, swollen lymph nodes, and they might even contract some sort of opportunistic infection like tuberculosis or meningitis that can cause their death if they're continuing without proper treatment. Um, Just getting into the logistics of um, diagnosis a little bit, HIV AIDS is typically diagnosed using serological tests that detect antibodies within the um, person's body that are produced about 28 days after the person is initially infected. And if a positive test result is returned, a second test is typically done just to ensure that there were no errors um, before linking that person to um, effective treatments. Uh, From what you've said, it seems very important for people to be connected with testing and treatment as soon as they believe they've been exposed to HIV. Can you talk a little bit about HIV is treated? Yeah, of course. So although there is no definitive cure for HIV AIDS, the development of antiretroviral drugs and antiretroviral therapies have made HIV AIDS a manageable chronic illness, um, allowing people to live longer than they would have before these treatments were made available. Um, After HIV is conclusively diagnosed, ARTs and ARVs are typically prescribed to suppress the person's viral load and work by stopping the virus from replicating, which helps the immune system regain its strength to combat these opportunistic infections typically associated with HIV AIDS. Beyond just treatment after an individual is infected with HIV, the virus can be prevented through condom use, regular STI testing, harm reduction strategies for IV drug users, such as needle exchange programs, and by 
using ARTs for prevention among people at greatest risk of HIV infection. This illness must impact a lot of people around the world, especially since it requires a life course of treatment. Do you have any statistics that confirm this idea? Yes. Yeah, so as you mentioned, Elena, HIV AIDS continues to have a profound impact on the health and wellness of societies worldwide since the first cases were discovered. And in 2020, there were an estimated 37.7 million people living with HIV. Just a few years earlier in 2018, there were 1.7 million new infections and 770,000 HIV AIDS related deaths worldwide. While HIV AIDS affects individuals around the world, there is a disproportionate HIV AIDS burden in, the sub, uh, in Sub-Saharan Africa. Furthermore, certain populations in these African regions, including sex workers and their clients, IV drug users, men who have sex with men, and individuals living in close contact spaces are the most at risk for HIV infection and contribute to this high disease burden. In fact, HIV AIDS caused more than one in four deaths in Sub-Saharan Africa in 2017, which is greater than any other region globally. And while Sub-Saharan Africa only makes up around 6.2% of the world's population, it encompasses 50% of the world's HIV AIDS infections. Wow, that is really concerning. We'll be talking more about why the prevalence rates are so high in these African regions. But first, can you tell us about the gender disparities that exist here? Absolutely. It's very important to mention these gender biases in relation to prevalence rates to truly understand why HIV continues to burden these countries. So in sub-Saharan Africa, women in particular have a higher HIV prevalence rate than men do, which can be attributed to social norms and instances of gender inequalities that continue to persist in this region. For example, transactional sex work and male sexual privilege are commonly practiced in this region and contribute to women's higher HIV prevalence rates, as well as the overall impact HIV AIDS has on Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you so much for this very informative discussion about HIV and AIDS Sydney. We are now going to dive a little deeper into these gender-based disparities and talk about how the US's ideals and policies put those living in sub-Saharan Africa at greater risk of HIV infection. Western ideals have had a major impact on the consuming culture that has been cultivated in sub-Saharan Africa. In Majola's book, she discusses how labor migration patterns put low people to work with white colonists and increase consumption demands and change what we're considered desirable qualities for women to have. Luo men were encouraged to speak and dress like white men, and their ideals for what beautiful women should look like changed to fit more modern Western ideals that valued light skin and education and the ability to speak, to speak English. In addition to these shift in ideals, Western culture brought with it a new means of monetary exchange, money, which made it increasingly difficult to obtain goods without it. Wow, that must have really shifted the workings and structure of society. How did they go about this new form of monetary exchange? Yeah, so that's a great question. So people used to be able to go to a fish market and trade fish in exchange for milk. Uh, changing the monetary system caused an increase in poverty since those who did not have money did not have access to goods that they would once barter and trade for. Essentially, the neglecting, essentially neglecting the former barter-based system created two classes of people, those who were able to escape the barter economy and consume modern goods, and those who could not. As a result, money not only increased women's desire to consume, but also increased women's likelihood to seek out transactional relationships with wealthy older men as a means to obtain necessities like food and shelter or to obtain monetary desirable goods. 
Interesting. You mentioned that this shifted women's ideals and their desires to consume. Can you elaborate on this a little bit more for us? Yes, absolutely. So as Western culture infiltrated sub-Saharan Africa and shifted beauty standards for women, gendered needs were created within society, had an influence on women and caused their transition into consuming women who have desires for gifts, money, and modern goods. For example, Western ideals targeted women specifically and marketed modern goods such as makeup, perfume, and luxury clothing as necessities that will increase their social standing if they possess them. Oh, I see. So women in these countries do not have the same opportunities as men in terms of employment and income. So how are women supposed to afford these items? Because continual consumption of modern goods requires a steady income, young women in Africa often begin relationships or engage in transactional sex with older, wealthy, employed men who have higher prevalence rates of HIV. This in turn increases women's risks of HIV and increases their prevalence rates for HIV in sub-Saharan Africa since they are being infected at a younger age than their male counterparts. Globalization and the implementation of neoliberal policies has enhanced women's desire to consume and purchase materialistic goods since they believe these goods are necessary and will improve their social status. I see. Elena, thank you so much for talking to us about how these U.S. ideals are propagating the spread of HIV AIDS in sub-Saharan Africa. It was really interesting to learn about how the infiltration of these ideals and norms from the West are increasing women's desire to consume and consequently increasing the risk of HIV infection. Thank you all so much for watching and be sure to educate those around you about what you learned today. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.